0: In this series called Big Church, I'm going to get back into that just a little bit. But the objective of this series is to answer a couple of questions. One of those questions is why church? Like, why do we have them? Why do they exist? Uh, another question is uh, what kind of church do we want to be? What kind of church? Not just why are we here, but but what kind of church do we want to be? And we began discussing that last week. And then finally, whose church is it? Whose church is it? We're going to answer that throughout this series. Turn in your Bibles with me digitally or analog in Matthew chapter 16. As you're turning there, I'd love to remind all our guys that we have people that are going to cook for you and clean up after you this Tuesday night. It's the best of both worlds. I don't know about you, but sometimes, when one person cooks, there's an expectation for the other person to clean up. Uh, It's just my house, okay, that's cool, but this Tuesday night, we're gonna do both for you, so come and join us for the men's dinner. We're excited about having What we're having, and I know what it is, but I'm not even going to give it away, I will tell you if you miss it. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus says, I say to you that you are Peter, that is the Greek word petros, last week I held a small stone, you are Peter, petros, Jesus delivered this message at Caesarea Philippi, at the bottom bottom of Mount Hermon at the base of the temple of Pan where there was a cave where people practiced pagan worship and idolatry. Jesus looks at Simon, son of John, and says, I say to you that you are Peter, you are Petros. You are a small stone and on the This rock, I believe this to be a sermon illustration. This rock is a different word than the word that Jesus just used. This word means large stone. Upon this large foundational stone. Peter, you are a small part of the foundational stone upon which I will build, everybody read it with me, my. Church. So whose church is it going to be? According to Jesus, it wasn't the Assemblies of God church. According to Jesus, it wasn't the non-denominational church. It wasn't the Southern Baptist, the Free Will Baptist, the Missionary Baptist. It wasn't the Methodist, the Catholic, the Protestant, the Reformer. It was the one church that Jesus wanted to put his name on. It's his church. It's not the pastor's church church it's not the people's church it's not the board members church it is the church of jesus christ the son of the living god and when his name is on the people that make up the body he says the gate of hell itself will not prevail against what i want to build it's a really powerful message that Jesus spoke directly in, and I believe Jesus is still this day speaking into the heart of his people. Verse 19, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus is building his church. This is his church. We are his church. I believe all too often we have made church more about buildings and experiences than we have made it about Jesus and his people. Jesus wants to build his church. Now listen, hear me, I don't have an issue with the building. In fact, I'm very grateful for the building. There is not a church planner in the world that would not have come to Eunice, Louisiana with a fully funded building and money in the bank with a group of people who were ready to take a turn and reach this city on the foundation that has been being laid for the years that it has been laid. I am thankful for what has been provided. I'm grateful for the building. We began to fix things in the building. We began to add things to the building. We fixed air conditioners in the building. Come on, somebody. We fixed leaks in the building. We use the giving and generosity of God's people to update and upkeep the building. Well, y'all spending all this money on this building, and there's people serving the Lord on a dirt floor in a tent in Africa. Listen to me. Hear me. I, I understand that. I've been there. We actually sew into ministries that help build those tents, but I'm not going to apologize for being born and raised in North Louisiana in the United States of America instead of being born and raised in northern Kenya. Listen to me it is no more difficult for God to build a $2 million facility in Eunice, Louisiana than it was for him to pitch a tent on a dirt floor in Africa. He is the God that owns a cattle on a thousand hilltop, and when we stop making money, an idol, he'll start using it to build his kingdom further than we could have ever imagined it being built before, and ministries will launch into multitudes of people being ministered to at a level that this city has never seen. I'm not against the building. I'm not against the experience. In fact, we put a lot into it. I actually believe and we teach that your experience can impact your eternity. It's why we have men in jackets and greeters and ushers and first face dream teams who stand out in the parking lot and sweat and wave and smile with you to try to help every single individual park into those faded lines that we are working on painting and getting done at a feasible time adding more gravel to create more space we are okay with the experience because we believe that the experience can impact somebody's eternity if they have a good experience it could affect their desire to accept the message that is being spoken if they have have a bad experience. They will leave and go somewhere else or not go at all. The book of Daniel, in Daniel chapter five and six, the Bible says there was a spirit of excellence upon Daniel. It means that even in the midst of a atmosphere where he could have had more excuses than he did, examinations, explorations and executions. Daniel decided to operate in the spirit of God and the spirit of excellence so that the world around him began to become attracted to what was inside of him. He didn't use it as an excuse to be settled and satisfied with less than God's best. He used it as an opportunity to be filled with the spirit of excellence that would draw other people into the atmosphere that he was producing and out of the atmosphere in which they had been believing previously. You're welcome, that was an email that came through, we've got that, we received whoever just sent that about the building comment, we'll look at that tomorrow, we'll evaluate it, and get back to you. I'm not against the building, I'm certainly not against the experience. I'm just saying that we have, if we're not careful, we've made living for God more about the quality of a service than about the quality of our servanthood. And I believe that it's time for His church to get back in line with His will. See, the church, the ecclesia, is about Jesus and His people. It's not about religious acts. It's not about works that lead to salvation. It's not about trinkets and symbols, graven images, or anything carved by the hands of men. Not too long ago, just a couple of weeks ago, we had a very well-intended young man come into our office, and he had a brown paper sack, and he wanted to meet with one of the pastors. He wanted someone to bless him and pray over him. And Pastor Weston, in initiative and instruction, because I was really doing, I was in the midst of doing something else, and so was he, but he's better at doing what I ask him to do than I am. So he got up and and he went to minister to this young man that wanted to receive prayer. And and remember, he had this brown paper sack. So we weren't sure like what's in the sack, bro. You know, somebody comes in with a brown paper sack. We're like, are you about to light that on fire and leave it on our doorstep? You know, what's going on with the... the anyway, so okay. So he had the sack and in the sack, he pulled it out and he had these little Angels, these little like acrylic looking angels. And he wanted Pastor Weston to pray over the angels so that he could carry the angels around with him and he would be blessed. And Pastor Weston said, I'm sorry, man, we don't do that. I'm not praying over those angels. That's not what God wants to bless. You are who God wants to bless. I will pray over you. I will lay hands on you. I will ask God to put his hand on your life as you surrender your life to him. And so he asked, actually got some oil and prayed over that brother and blessed him now listen to me hear me hear me don't you get confused this morning and think that i just took a protestant poke at something because i've been in churches where we made graven images idols in our own house in the altars and even in the decor there are some chandeliers hanging in the sanctuary right now that people would leave over if somebody tried to change them with a the led that would actually stay on for more In a couple of Sundays, there is in a church that I've been in, in the back of the church, a baptismal with an archway, and inside of that baptismal is a dove carved out of stour foam painted with pearl, luminescent paint, and it shines in brightly for all the people. When I was on staff at the church, I changed a light bulb and put a different color on the dove. You would have thought that I blasphemed the Holy Ghost by putting a different color light on top of the dove carved out of stour foam in the baptismal tank. Listen to me, friend. It doesn't matter what's on the stage, which kind of light is hanging over your head. If it speaks in a spirit of excellence it leads people into a conducive relationship with Jesus Christ the power is not in the stour foam dove pinned up against the wall the purple light the yellow light the white light or anything else it's not in the water that we dip them in it's in the transformed life that Jesus Christ has to offer the individual it's not about the idols and the things and the decor and the carved images it's not about the creation of men It's about the Creator God. This is who He is, it's what He desires to do. The church is about Jesus and His people. And last week I said, I wanna be a big church because I believe that we serve a big God. Our God is omniscient, it means He's all-knowing. He's omnipotent, it means He's all-powerful. Our God is omnipresent, which means He can be everywhere For everyone, all at the same time. We serve a big. God. Well, I don't care if we have a lot of people as long as we have spiritual depth. I don't wanna be seeker-friendly. I wanna be spirit-filled and deep cries unto deep. Yes, it does, but when is the last time that you read throughout the scripture and we had to make the decision between being deep and wide all at the same time? I believe that we serve a God that neither height nor depth nor width or distance can separate us from his love. So at the same time as we cry, cry deep unto deep, we can continue not to just add in the first six books of Acts, but multiply in the name of Jesus and by the power of God. I want to be a place where those who are in bondage to depression, anxiety, addiction, and fear can come in and the chains can be broken off at the name that is above every name, and they can walk out as a captive set free at the name. I wanna be a place, I wanna be a place where hurting and weary people can come in and receive healing and strength, go back out and accomplish what God created them to accomplish. If we're going to do that, I believe we've gotta do three things. Number one, we need to remember why We need to remember why. Can't spend too much time on this, but I'm just gonna let this simmer with you. If you can identify your why, then it will not matter what happens. You can hang on to your why. Why did God put me here? Why did God give me this? Why did God call me to this place? why if you discover in the name of Jesus the answer to your why. Why did I say I do? Why did I commit to I will? Why did God send me to new hope instead of just staying at home? Answer the why and the what will stay out of the way. We need to remember why we are here. Let me give some of you a revelation this morning, and it's a revelation that it took me a while to discover. I have not always been as ambitious and unsettled unsatisfied I've learned to be content no matter my circumstances because that's biblical but I have also learned that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength I have not arrived yet I press on so I have not always been the way that I am now and some of us need to discover what I am still discovering And that is no matter what season of life or situation or circumstance you may be in currently, God did not create you to be bored and unproductive. He did not create you to be bored and unproductive. It is why the most boring television that this thing could actually show Takes place in the middle of the day, and we refer to it as daytime. Television. Now, this is not a biblical absolute. This is just me flowing with you here today. It's called daytime television because we are supposed to use the light to be a living example of his love. We serve a God that created all things in six days and did rested on the seventh. Maybe some of you work through the night. Maybe some of you have worked through the years. I can promise you, if you, still have the spirit of God breathing into you he has a reason that you woke up this morning and you'll wake up tomorrow morning he didn't create you to go through life set yourself up on a holy pedestal lean back in a salvation recliner and just hope your way to heaven for the rest of your life he created you to operate in the authority of which he has given you he didn't create you to be bored and unproductive. He created you to become a child of God worth following. Somebody needs to get up and begin to look up so that other people will begin to look to them. See, I'm tired of the church trying to play catch up with corporate America and the rest of the world when the church was supposed to be leading the way for the rest to follow. I'm tired of watching the church sit back and hope that God will move when he's been moving and he hasn't stopped. He's just waiting for the church to get on board. I'm ready to be Joshua and God's people that go across the waters of God into the promise of God and the rest of the nations begin to doubt and discern their own faith and belief because they look at the people of God and designate something different inside of them that they are afraid they cannot live without any longer it's time for the people of God to lead the way in innovation to lead the way in creativity to lead the way in execution to lead the way so that the world will look up and wonder what is it about that person that sets them apart there's a spirit of excellence inside of that individual that's different even in the midst of this tyrannical atmosphere in which we currently live. There's something different. I wanna be a place that knows why. Luke chapter 5, verse 30, the Bible says the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at the disciples and the disciples slapped them. Just making sure y'all are awake, it doesn't say that. It's not what it says. Y'all are like, wait, what? What version is he reading? I never heard the disciples slap somebody. (laughs) The Pharisees and scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Here's what they were saying. Why are you hanging out with people that aren't like us? Why are you spending your time with people that aren't churched? they don't talk like us, think like us, dress like us, act like us. Why are you spending your time with them? And Jesus answered, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Verse 32, we discover one of Jesus's many whys. Why did he leave his throne, come as a humble baby in a manger, and walk amongst creation, make himself a little lower than the angels and be obedient unto death, even death on a Roman cross, Jesus said, my why is that I have not come to call the righteous, but a sinner. If I could just get one sinner to come to repentance, then my mission has been complete. We had 60 in the student center this past Wednesday night. Yeah, it was a gimmick. Yeah, we drew them in, but the last time I checked, the church of Jesus Christ should do anything short of sin just to get one more sheep back in the fold that wandered astray. The New Living Translation says it this way, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous. Jesus said, I didn't do all that for all the people that already think they know it all. I didn't do all that for all the people that think they've already arrived. I didn't do all that for the religious self-righteous, and the arrogant. No, I did that for those who know they are in need of repentance, a turning away from the direction that they were going, and a turning to God. I believe as a church, we should be a place of healing. And when we learn to serve, we see a new level of, of God's provision. We say it this way, when we learn to serve at new levels, we begin to see God provide at new levels. I believe actually servanthood is the missing link to most people's salvation and they never learn to serve so instead of growing in their faith, they drift away from it. I've seen it happen over And over and over again, we're like Christian renters instead of kingdom homeowners. We don't take ownership of what God has purchased for us. I've called them to repent, I claim them, and I believe that the more we learn to serve, the more levels of God's provision that we will see. When I was writing this message, I immediately began to think of Aaron and Stephanie DiMaggio, South Louisiana, Cajuns that were called to Kenya, Africa. They're going to be here in November. We got to spend some time with them last June. They're going to be here uh, right before they go back and we're going to bless their heart full as a church on that Sunday morning, the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And I just got Africa 2020 on my heart to send a team over there to minister and to see all the ministry that they're doing. I just want to plant that that seed in some of you this morning. We're gonna have them here. I called, I said, Aaron, can you tell me a story of a time when you were serving that God gave and provided exceedingly and abundantly more than you ever expected? And he said, how long do you have? He began to share a story of when he and his bride, Stephanie, were about to have their first baby, Malia, who is. Hilarious, Malia was about to be born and they had $90 to their name. Kufakia International, the nonprofit government organization that they set up in the nation of Kenya was actually doing very well financially, but Aaron and Stephanie DiMaggio only had $90 to his name. This man has so much character, so much oversight and accountability from his board of directors that he dared not stick his hand in the cookie jar of Kufakia International, even though he only had 90 do- The ministry that God used him to build and establish, even though he only had $90 to his name, a pastor invited them to his church. He didn't give them the microphone. He didn't receive an offering. He just took them to lunch to bless them and to minister to them. And at the end of that lunch, he gave them a check so that they could continue on in the process of having a new baby and having Stephanie's appointments fulfilled that they were wondering how they were gonna pay for. God provided it because they were serving. They went back to Africa not very long after that and instead of just renting an apartment in a better place with more uh, things that this city would have to offer, amenities and whatnots, they felt like the Lord was calling them to buy a piece of property. They have now built a house, team housing, a kitchen, and a classroom where they offer free English language classes so that people can learn how to speak English and ultimately read God's word. They've built all of this now with a chew and a borehole, cho and a borehole right there on the property that would provide uh, sewage for the people nearby and clean drinking water. Before any of that happened, they saw this land in the middle of nowhere and that a mountain that God felt like, he, they felt like God was calling them to. When they could have built over here, they felt like they were supposed to purchase this, but Aaron, like us, didn't have the money. Come on, how many of you have ever felt like you had a want to but didn't have the money to? Come on, just go with me. Like you, like you had a drink. Listen to me, hear me, hear me, hear me stop letting your vision be determined by your finances and start making your finances be determined by your vision. Let God lead you into the next place and show you what he has for you based on your servanthood where you are. Aaron and Stephanie received a check. Once they heard from the Lord and agreed with their board, they received a check for $20,000. They paid cash in the mountains of the Maasai people for a piece of property that they would host teams, provide clean drinking water, provide sewage and team housing and English learning classes, and it never would have happened if two people wouldn't have gone to Africa in a tent with a bucket and paved a way where there seemed to be no way. But God provided based on their servanthood, and this is the coolest part of the story. The $20,000 check that they received came from one family. It was their severance pay from a job they just lost crazy, extravagant generosity. And that family may only know what they were used to do on the other side of God's kingdom. They may never see in this life, but I can promise you that when you learn to serve, God will lead you. We need to remember who it is that we serve. We need to remember who it is that we serve. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number two, remember who he is. He he performed over 40 recorded miracles in the gospel. Some people received a miracle just because they walked into his presence. In the book of Matthew chapter eight, it opens up, Jesus heals a man with leprosy. He goes from the man with leprosy to a Roman officer who had a servant boy that needed his healing. Remember, I'm talking about being a healing church this morning. He met with a Roman officer that needed his healing. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. And the Roman officer, the unbeliever at the time, the not person that should have been expecting this, the not child of God said, Lord, I don't need you to come. I just need you to give me a word. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. There are some times in our lives, I wish I had more time to preach this, but we need to just say the word mentality back in our hearts. That if we could just get a word from God, we could take it back to the people that need it the most. It's not even for us, Jesus. I just wanna carry it so that I can give it away to somebody else that needs it even more than me. Jesus goes from the Roman officer to Peter's mother-in-law, and he he heals her of a sickness now I don't know if Peter really loved his mother-in-law or if Jesus was just mad at Peter but he healed his mother-in-law and the Bible says she immediately got up and began to serve them in the midst of all of this all of these miracles in verse 16 of Matthew chapter 8 the Bible says that evening many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus now look I'm not him and I'd have been like look my day's been full I've I've already done like a servant boy and a mother in law, like that's all I got, okay? I ministered to a servant boy and mother in law. Like I got nothing left right now. I'm spent. But they brought the Bible says many people. Many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. Watch this. And he cast them out by holding them upside down and dumping them in a bucket of olive oil filled with frankincense. He went and got 17 crosses, screamed in their face, shook them around, threw them up against the wall until that devil got out of that demoniac. No, 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 that's not what it says. It just says, with a simple command. See, you don't need me to say the name of Jesus in society. You just carry him with you. You don't come to church, you go out as the church. With a simple command, he cast the devil out and healed all the sick. By the way, healed all the sick people. The mentally, the physically, the emotional, listen, we are the most medicated and yet the most miserable society that has ever existed. And I don't have a problem with modern medicine or science or doctors or hospitals. I'm just saying that when we learn to lean more on created things than the creator of the things, we began to find more frustration than we do fulfillment. I give my baby two doses of medicine I don't like giving to her every single day. I'm not saying I have anything against medicine, I'm saying there's really an ultimate only one healer and his name is Jesus he was and he is and he is to come and when we learn how to lean on him the way that he wants to work through us then we will begin to see things that we have formerly only read about coming to pass it's who he is verse 17 says the word of the Lord was fulfilled through the prophet Isaiah who said he took our sicknesses and removed our diseases Exodus 15, right there at the very end, I just want to show it to you. Exodus chapter 15, verse 26. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, all of these things will come to pass for you. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, do what is right in His sight, give ear to His commandments, and keep all of His statutes, then, if, then, I will put none of the diseases of which I have brought on the Egyptians. Hang on, okay. Well, I've been serving the Lord for a long time and I still get sick, okay? Okay. But do we eat like everybody else, drink like everybody else, talk like, act like, think like, live like, obey like everybody else in the world around us and expect different things? See, the Bible says, from Genesis to Revelation, if you take heed and obey wherever the Holy Spirit tells you to, that he was and he is and he shall forever be the Lord Jehovah who heals Rapha. Matthew chapter four, we understand the Old Testament. I'm glad that's good for them. Let's look at the New Testament. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogue and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he, Jehovah Rapha that was, became and revealed himself as Jehovah Rapha that is. See, here's what he's saying. The Old Testament and the Old Covenant that abided in Jehovah Rapha has now been fulfilled by a new covenant that will be an expression of Jehovah Rapha. He healed Jehovah Rapha, Jesus, in the Old and the New Testament. Under the Old and the New Covenant, he healed every kind of disease and illness. So finally, what is this? mean? What does this mean? Surely this means something for us, right? Surely this guy has not screamed and sped talk for the last 30 minutes, and he doesn't have a point. What does this mean? It means, Mark chapter 6, verse 12, so the disciples went out. Man, preacher, I was with you when you were talking about the goodness of God. I was with you when you were talking about everything that Jesus could do. I was with you when you were talking about what God can do for me. But Mark chapter 6 throws us a curveball. And he says, no longer is it just about what Jesus can do for you, but if you're a believer and you have become a child of God, it now is about what he's going to use you to do for somebody else. So the disciples went out telling everyone they met to repent of their sin and turn to God. Verse 13, watch this. They cast out many demons, they healed many sick people, and they invited them to church so somebody else could anoint them with oil and believe in faith that they would receive their healing. No, they went out from where they were, and God used them in the time period and the place in which he positioned them to reveal himself to other people through them. That's what it means that God is still able, Jesus is still willing and the same power that raised Christ from the dead, the same power that performed the resurrection of the Son of God now lives and abides and dwells and operates in and through the disciples who claim that they believe in him. Luke chapter four, I'm finishing this. Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus says, to proclaim the good news, proclaim the good news. And you see all these things, liberty to the captives, sight to the blind, and liberty to those who are oppressed. Jesus said that's the spirit that was alive and well in him. But then remember, he told Peter, Upon this rock, I will build my church. I will build my church. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound whatever you loose on earth. So I don't wanna be a church of healing. I wanna be the church of healing. I don't wanna be a place that people can come to. I wanna be the place that people can come to, that a sick person can ask me for prayer in society, that a broken person can come up to me and experience the beginnings of the beauty that God wants to take from the ashes, even in Walmart, because there's really nowhere else to go. God can use me right here, right now, wherever I am, He is there with me. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is a healer, and He wants What's to use you to heal?